I'm not trying to offend anyone or gender stereotype, but women have more challenges on occasion seeing themselves as millionaires than men do. I want to normalize talking about having a business that's a million dollars or more in revenue annually. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I cannot believe it is the final week of Women's History Month, and we are celebrating with our brand new Women on Brand collection of our favorite episodes from the past three seasons featuring amazing leaders, professionals, and innovators, all who just happen to be women. So make sure that you check out Women on Brand at leadwithyourbrand.com slash women. And speaking of inspiring women, I have an amazing guest today. It is Jamie Wolf, who is the CEO and president of the Million Dollar Story Agency. But before we get to Jamie, I want to talk again about going back into the office. I am looking out on LinkedIn and social media, and I am seeing tons of you posting your first day back at the office photos. And it is super exciting. And I know for some of you, or maybe all of you, it is a super stressful experience. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about how do you re-onboard yourself into in-person work? Because it is all about your brand. You've spent the past two years adjusting your brand in a way that you could communicate in these flat surfaces like Zoom and on conference calls. And guess what? Now you are IRL and it makes all of the difference that you show up leading with your brand. Now, what I want to talk about today is about building your network. Because over the past two years, the number one thing that people have said to me is, wow, Jason, now that there's no conferences, now that there's no networking uh, events or cocktail hours, or even our employee resource group events, they're all virtual. There's no opportunity to actually like meet people in that casual way we used to do it before. Well, guess what? No more excuses, people. We are back in real life and you've got to get out there to not only build your network, but you have got to reinforce that network with folks that have not seen you in two years. Now, I want to talk a little bit about bias. 
That's right. If we are human, we all have bias. And I want you to watch out to falling into the trap of bias as you go back into the office because we know that bias limits your network. Now, here's the first principle I want you to think about. It is called the self-similarity principle. And that is a bias that is formed, right, even when we are little infants, that we are attracted to people that are similar to us, right? We are attracted to people who share our views. So think about that. Think about as you go back into the office, are you only gravitating to people that are like you? That maybe they work in your department. They do the same type of job as you. Maybe they have a similar background to you. Yes, it's great that you want to go and interact with those people again in person, but don't make that a trap that you're limiting and not building your network or forgetting about people that maybe are in your network but have differences from you. Think about that. The second one I want you to think about is proximity bias. You heard that right. As human beings, we are biased towards the things that are right in front of our face. So why is that a challenge? Because now that you're going back into the office, you probably work in an office where all of the people around you are self-similar, right? A lot of us, if we work for finance, we go and we sit in the finance department. If we work in legal or purchasing or operations, We are all placed in that organization set up in terms of our office. So how can this be a problem for you? Well, think about it. Tomorrow, when you go to lunch and you're like, oh, who am I going to ask to go to lunch? Resist the urge to just look over the cubicle wall or outside your office door because those folks that are sitting next to you are probably doing the exact same thing that you do. So I want you to be thoughtful here. I want you to pull out a pen and paper right now, and I want you to make a list of the people in your network that you need to reconnect with. And let's do this in a strategic way because, yes, there are fun people that you want to reconnect with or or people that, that you know, you're feel very warmly to, but I want you to think about who are those advocates? Who are those big fans of yours that advocate for you all the time that maybe you actually have hardly seen or interacted with in two years? Put them at the top of your list. I want you to think about what is that next job? What is that next career breakthrough you're looking for? Who needs to know you? Maybe it's not a name, but maybe it's a certain division or department that you need to start seeking out. And that's the person you need to take to lunch, or that's the person you need to grab coffee from, or maybe That's the kitchenette you need to go and grab a snack from in that department. That's right. I want you to create a thoughtful list of the folks that you are going to reconnect with and the new folks that you're going to connect with now that we are back in real life. Now you have no excuses from the Zoom and Microsoft Teams world to not get out there and interact with people. Well, I am super excited for today's guest. It is Jamie Wolf, who is the CEO and president of the Million Dollar Story Agency, a global agency working with entrepreneurs and leaders across industries and verticals to build their brand market authority and visibility. Now, specifically, Jamie works with high achievers who are ready to establish themselves as the go-to expert in their space. She helps them skyrocket their credibility and their authority and join the ranks of elite thought leaders and reach a broader audience. We'll be back in just a few moments with Jamie Wolf. For 
over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am super excited about today's guest. It is Jamie Wolf, who is the CEO and president of the Million Dollar Story Agency. Jamie, what is going on? Hey, Jason. It's great to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Well, we've got to dive in because I want to learn all about you. So, Jamie, first off, I know I know we've been living in seclusion for so long, but when you first meet people and introduce yourself, how do you tell them what it is that you do and who you are? The super, super short, most understandable answer is that I run a publishing and marketing agency and most people who aren't in the digital space go, oh, publisher, I've heard of that. I get, I think I know what that is. <laughs> and marketing, okay, yeah, you sell things. So you're maybe kind of obnoxious and I don't want to talk to you too much. So if I'm not talking to an audience that lives in the world that we live in, that's what I say. If I am talking to someone who is an entrepreneur who understands the whole idea of branding and marketing and promoting in in order to serve other people, then I can say what I do is I help entrepreneurs tell their stories in a way that brings them more clients and helps them sell their offer. Wow. I love how just crisp and clear that is and and helpful for for us to know exactly what it is that you do. So, Jamie, I know you didn't just wake up one day and have a million dollar agency. I I understand it. Uh, You had a lot of different uh, twists and turns. So tell me, Jamie, when you think back over your career, what have been some of the big breakthrough moments that kind of helped get you to where you are today? You know, Jason, the awful, wonderful thing about what I do is that I hear a lot of stories from (laughs) other entrepreneurs. So by way of helping them share their stories in book form, I read a lot, I meet a lot. And the thing that we all seem to have in common, especially once you get to be my age, is that you pivot a lot, a lot, a lot. And so many of the major breakthroughs come from real life stories. One of my three children ended up being diagnosed with an incurable disease, which sounds super scary. And she is absolutely fine now. And it is an incurable disease that's relatively common. So she's got type one diabetes. But at the time we were living in a place, and this was a few decades ago. So we were living in a place that there wasn't fantastic care. So I like to say that I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I stumbled into co-founding a medical device and disease management company. Uh, Wow. You stumbled in. Stumbled in. You know, I think there's a movie called Lorenzo's Oil, and it's all about family that are trying, trying, trying to find a cure for their child, and they go to the jungle, and I didn't have to go to the jungle, so that's good. But (laughs) I did stumble into the world of entrepreneurship, which can be a little bit like a jungle, And had no idea what I was doing. Like to say, I had beginner's luck. We got a product through FDA clearance. We raised a whole bunch of money. We ran clinical trials, yada, yada. So that was how I became an entrepreneur. And 
it didn't feel like it because, you know, I was just out there helping my kid and then understanding how many millions of people around the world are affected by this disease um, without getting into the weeds. You know, it, it affects type 1 and type 2 diabetes, affects a lot of people. So that is what introduced me to entrepreneurship. And it was like getting bit by a bug. Like once you've got this thing, you can't let go of it. You can't go back to a job. That's so boring. Yeah. However, I like to say I had a Steve Jobs moment where I got ousted from my own company. Oh, no. Um, what happened? <laughs> it was one of those not so pretty stories. You know, they say don't go into business with friends and family, especially where there's large dollar amounts of money involved. And it it was one of those things that ended a marriage, ended some friendships, ended some other <laughs> other things. So anyway, move on. But I I was an entrepreneur at that point. So I ended up going to work in economic development. I was like, what the heck is that? That's dry. But what it is, is everybody around the world has an economic development department that's going to bring business into your town, your city, your county, your region, your state, all these things. And so I focused on bringing in, helping entrepreneurs scale businesses, helping work with retired people who had a lot of money and didn't have a lot of knowledge. So teaching how to do due diligence, evaluate a company, yada, yada. And I found myself saying the same thing over and over. Oh, you have that question? Let me tell you the answer. Oh, you have that question? Let me tell you the answer. Oh my God, I better write all these answers down. So that was my introduction into writing a book. Oh. Um, you know, I think, not I think, I know. So many people want to write a book. I don't know what it is about humans. It's like encoded in our genes that we want to tell stories, yeah. that we share information through stories, especially when something bad happens to us. We need that cathartic experience of writing it down, sharing it. I want to help the next person not have this pain or not take so long to get through it. Let me tell this story. So, so many people want to write books. So I'd always kind of wanted to write a book. I'd probably written a few about my cats when I was little or, you know, the zoo or something. But so now I wrote a book designed to help all these folks building and scaling businesses and the investors, all sorts of things like that. And writing a book, publishing a book, not so hard. Selling a book, huh? marketing a book, that is a whole different story. <laughs> so it wasn't an instant bestseller? Is that what you're telling no, me, Jamie? No, it was not an instant bestseller. And so I just put it aside and I was like, well, I did that. I wrote the book. I published the book. Who needs to do that anymore? And, you know, the entrepreneurial mind kind of chases shiny objects. So yeah. I went in all these different directions. And then I ran into um, Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels and the Two Comma Club and all these people, and they said, what's your offer? And I was like, an offer? What's an offer? Like, I don't know. Like, I had been had this startup company, but we had a very specific result that we were trying to do. We were trying to help people with their um, health conditions. So the idea of selling a digital product, an information product, getting into the world of e-commerce, all of that was new and different. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I'd met a handful of people who paid an awful lot of money to write, publish, and hit Amazon bestseller. But they still didn't know how to have a business from that. And since oh, wow. I had a strong business background, I thought, oh, 
I know I'll just help the person who's already gone that far because they've shown they they're willing to invest in themselves. Yeah. Let me help them with the business side. What's the first thing the market tells you? The market says, forget about what you want to sell. Listen to what the market wants to buy. <laughs> right? Yeah. And what were they interested in buying? So they weren't interested in buying what I thought they they needed, <laughs> which is like another good thing. You know, you want to do what they want, not what they need. Kind of like telling your kids you need to eat your spinach and they look at you like, really, what planet are you from? Because I don't want to do that. But people said, could you help me write? And I was like, really, are you kidding? Writing is easy. Well, writing is easy for me. I'm an academic you know, at heart, I've written tons and tons of things. Writing isn't easy for everybody. And especially when you're a really busy entrepreneur and time is the thing that you don't have a lot of this idea of going off to some retreat somewhere for two years to write a book. That's never, ever, ever going to happen in the entrepreneurial world. First of all, things change too fast in the marketplace. And second of all, no one's going to take that much time away from their business. So can you help me write? Eventually I stopped saying no and started saying yes. Could you mm. help me publish? My first response was, are you kidding me? Just go onto Amazon KDP. They got instructions right there. You upload the file. It's not hard. But Jason, do you want to take time out from what you're really good at and go learn something that's not in your core area of expertise? No. Just a task? No, no. of course not. Or I might want to, but I'll never even get to it, right? It'll be on the last thing on my list, right? Exactly, exactly. So that was what I found as well. Even though it's not technically that difficult, nobody's going to divert from what they're doing all day, every day to go learn that new thing. Yeah. So I was like, okay, fine, I can help you publish. And then people said, hey, can you help me be an Amazon bestseller? And I was like, you have got to be kidding. No, what a stupid waste of time. It's an algorithm game. Like it has no value whatsoever. Then I started listening again. And what Mm. I realized is becoming a bestseller has value in that if you've got three fitness people or three anything, that are all fantastic. They've all got raving fans. They're all really good at what they do. If one of them can say, I am a published best-selling author, it raises them above the crowd. And first of all, people just go, wow, you wrote a book, you finished it. Like just that is impressive. Yeah. But if you're also a bestseller, that's pretty cool too. So I stopped forcing my opinion down people's throats and started listening to what they were asking. Million Dollar Story came around, the concept of, you know, I have Million Dollar Story Agency. I have a series of books wrapped around Million Dollar Story. It's twofold. One is, again, I listened to so many journeys, whether it's people who were escaping by boat as refugees and Mm. literally almost starving to death or drowning to death as they escaped from whatever country they started into being ultra successful entrepreneurs today, Mm -hmm. where they started English wasn't their first language. They ended up in jail at some point along the way. They had drug addictions. They had family members with problems. Even the folks who started in a pretty good place, entrepreneurship teaches many hard lessons. Like you get really, really big. A lot of people got really big in the real estate market and then 2008 happened and they lost everything and had to start over. 
So these are the sorts, sorts of stories that I hear all the time from entrepreneurs. And the idea that if you can write and share your story and rise up above the noise, but that journey, who you become is like worth a million bucks. It, it sounds trite, you know, that whole, what's this worth, that worth? Oh, it's priceless. But really who you become along the way is a million dollar journey. Yeah. And then secondly, and I, I'm not trying to offend anyone or gender stereotype, but women have more challenges on occasion seeing themselves as millionaires than men do. So the idea, I wanted to make it okay to talk about the fact that we're going for a million dollar a year business. And that doesn't mean I'm greedy. It doesn't mean I'm materially oriented. It doesn't mean I've got a big ego and think I'm better than everyone else. I want to normalize talking about having a business that's a million dollars or more in revenue annually. So those are the reasons that I named it Million Dollar Story Agency. Not every single author that's written with me is at a million dollar run rate, but many of them are or many of them are far in excess of that. And I want people to know that no matter where you start, if you put in systems and processes, you can, in fact, get to where you're going. And you're letting me talk a lot and I really appreciate that. But the last thing that is so important for people to understand about books, if you say, oh, I want to write a book, you know, a book could be a thousand pages. It could be 10 pages. It could be a booklet. It could be a very technical thing. It could be fiction, recipes, whatever. So the types of entrepreneurs or people that I work with as authors do have a business. They do have something for sale so that you can recoup the investment in getting to be a published author by then having your book work as an evergreen lead source. So the books that I want to encourage people to write, if whoever is listening, is make sure that it's super strategic, that you have an offer that's you know at least $2,500 to $5,000 for sale, that you know that once your book is out there, it's going to live a long time. It's going to direct people back to your world. Your stories are going to nurture them. Like if I tell you that I started because I had a child who was really ill, people might relate to that. Mm -hmm. If I say, oh, I had a marriage that like kind of didn't go so well and some really mm. rotten things happened to me afterwards, but hey, here's how I dusted myself off and picked myself up. People can relate to that because it happens to them too. I might repel some people with those stories, but that's okay because now I've just gotten rid of half the people who are never going to buy from me to begin with. Yeah. And there's no point in working with them if I can't truly help them. Yeah. So it's really all about kind of super serving your audience, right? It's not about trying to be all things to all people. Absolutely not. Jamie, talk to me a little bit about this notion that you said around women and maybe some of these self-limiting beliefs and, and normalizing the whole notion of aspiring to be a million dollar business. What were some of those self-limiting beliefs that you had that you needed to overcome? When I started working with the um, scalable entre entrepreneurs, so people working in the tech industry, if you think of you know, the example that we all know, it's Microsoft or Google or whatever, and you 
create a bit of code or software, the apps these days, you create it one time and you sell it over and over and over. Your upfront costs are done in the development process or the gaming that's going into the metaverse and everything. Your upfront costs are in the development and then you sell the thing millions and millions of copies over and over and over again. It, when I worked in that space, my comfort level with really big numbers got adjusted. So I could go, oh, you know, they just need $20 million. Okay, cool. Let me introduce you to these three people who got $20 million. At one point in my journey, I literally didn't have 99 cents to take my kids to Burger King to get French fries and a shake. Like we were trying mm. to think, okay, it's 99 cents plus tax. It's like a dollar seven. I didn't have that much money. When you are in that situation, and so many people are, you know, with COVID and they lost jobs and houses went into foreclosure and things like that, a dollar seven can be an insurmountable number. So if I start talking about $20 million, you can't even conceive of it. Yeah. Once you start earning money, once you start really getting into business seriously, I had a mentor at one point saying, look, if you're not making more money than you're spending, you have a hobby. You don't have a business. <laughs> and so how, you know, a lot of us have been there at some point along the line, you know, e-commerce, the margins are super small from what I understand. I haven't been in the e-commerce space, so someone might correct me, but overall the margins are small. So the idea of if you can start adjusting to bigger and bigger numbers, then you can see yourself achieving bigger numbers. And a lot of women work in a business that's a little bit more of a hobby. It's a little bit more going after their passion. They, you know, might make some creative things and sell those on Etsy or in some places like that. But they, and again, I hate to generalize so much, but just giving ourselves permission to, we're not stepping over someone. We're not trying to outshine partners by, you know, they make a great $250,000, $400,000 a year salary. And yet we're going, you know, know what? I'm going to go for a million. I'm going to mm. go for 10 million. There's something that holds us back from we don't want to. And, and it might be me a little bit. I'm a slightly older generation of we don't want to be too flashy. We don't want to embarrass anybody else by showing them up. I think the younger generations maybe don't have so many inhibitions about it, but there's still a lot of women. If you look at the statistics, so many women live in poverty. Mm. A lot of that's because they're doing caregiving for kids or whatever, or older parents or things like that. But I really want to start talking about the fantastic opportunities that exist today. Yeah. Everything I do is online. It's all virtual. I can do it from anywhere that I've got a good internet connection. You know, the systems and the processes, the people who work for me all work virtually. I have a big team. None of us ever are in the same place at the same time. I'm doing a huge <laughs> event in New York City. I don't know when this is going to air, but in a couple of weeks, I'm doing a big event. We're going to have a lot of our authors featured on a NASDAQ billboard, and we're doing, you know, this great... I'm meeting people for the first time. And I was like, wait, what? Really? I've been talking to you. Like, I thought we were best buds. I forgot that we hadn't ever actually met 
in person. And that's the beauty of what we all get to do these days. Yeah. Now, Jamie, talk to me a little bit around listening. You talked about how important it was for you to stop telling people what to do and actually listen to what the market and listening to what your customers and listening to what your career audience was saying to you. What was that moment that you had that aha that was like, wow, I need to stop being the expert and need to start listening to people? I can be stubborn. (laughs) And the thing that finally, I think, helped me listen more. I like to solve problems. I like to solve puzzles. I think most entrepreneurs do. When you see something that is a barrier, the question is, does it have to be a barrier? Mm. Writing is just a format. It is a platform. It doesn't, it shouldn't be the thing that stops communication. You have a huge following. You create a tremendous service in your world. If someone said, well, you know, now you can only sing that information and you go, well, wait a minute, like I am not the singing star here, that would suddenly become a barrier. If you could create a computer that takes all your words and all your sounds and it transposes it into a song and you put it out the way, suddenly you have addressed the assignment. And so that's what happened with books when I finally realized, my God, these people have amazing stories to share. People need to understand how they thought through the process of going from this destitute place to not letting that hold them back. If the written word is the only thing that's in the way, let's just address that. So I think the listening became because I kept hearing the problem over and over again, and I wanted to figure out how to solve that because I don't ever want someone's voice to be silenced just because they don't feel confident in a sentence structure. Who cares? We can fix that part. Mm. So Jamie, let's talk a little bit about your brand because you're also in the marketing business. Give me three words that describe brand Jamie Wolf as an entrepreneur and an author. Because I believe collectively, we can absolutely positively change the world. You have your strengths. I have my strengths. The entrepreneurs I work with have theirs. When we get that out into the world effectively and efficiently, then we're going to affect change and do so on a grand scale. Initially, I didn't pay as much attention to branding as I could have or should have. Mm -hmm. Again, I came to entrepreneurship a little bit by accident. Much like becoming a bestseller, I have come to understand the power of brand is that you've raised your visibility, authority, credibility, attention is the new currency in this noisy, noisy world. And when you have strong brand recognition, people get their problems solved more quickly because they know where to go to get help. Mm. Awesome. What are some words that uh, your clients and people that work with you would use to describe you? Organized is one. I am a strong, strong believer in systems and processes. A lot of people tell me that I'm compassionate, kind, those, those sorts of words, because yeah. we've, we've all been through some stuff. We've all had to pivot. Hopefully we've all learned. And, you know, even when you don't learn the first time, it's going to come around again and make sure you learn the second time. Yeah. 
Yeah. What's another word that people would use to describe you? Maybe a little bit of an introvert because I do have a bit of a problem uh, with the whole social facing side. You know, in a couple of weeks when we go do this big thing um, in Times Square, we've got so many photographers and videographers coming along <laughs> and it's just going to be entertaining. It's going to be this whole paparazzi thing. And again, I normally live in a very small town. Um, I'm fine one-on-one -on -one this way. I'm even fine speaking up on a stage because as a, a corporate escapee, that was something I did. I, I ran boards. I stood in front of big boards. I was up on stage. That part I'm fine with, but the whole talking just to talk, I'm not so great at that. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you made being an introvert a win or a superpower for you? It is absolutely a superpower. The fact that I'm an introvert, I do analyze a lot. I do have time to think a lot. Um, maybe I speak a little bit more slowly, but hopefully what comes out of my mouth makes some sense by the time it gets there. So the idea of a superpower from the introvert side is that you observe a lot. I think maybe that's part of what gives me compassion for people's stories is that I do watch and observe a whole lot of what's going on. And I'm just in such an extreme admiration for people who are comfortable on Instagram. And we'll talk for two hours on Instagram. It's like, wow, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jamie, talk to me a little bit about uh, the advice that you give around branding your authors and entrepreneurs, even if someone who's listening, even if they're not an entrepreneur, let's say they're an intrapreneur within an organization. What are some of those, those threads or those nuggets that you would give to anyone to brand themselves in their career? I think each of us has a result that we promise one overarching result. So if you're an entrepreneur within a, you know, a department within a great big organization, your department is tasked to hit some KPIs, key performance indicators, metrics, goals, results within your department or your organization every year or every quarter, maybe monthly, something like that. And in order to think of who you are as a brand, what is the result that you promise bring to the table? Is it fantastic leadership? Can you step into a department that's fallen behind and turn them around? Are you capable? You know, I've been reading a lot of this whole controversy about people going back to an office or continuing to work from home. And I don't remember which CEO it was that was written the other day. And he's like, I just told my employees, can you get the work done? Like, I don't care where you do it from. I want you to get your work, your assignment, your project completed. However you do that is fine. And the idea that he had the capacity to open the door to that trust that was going in both directions. A good example would be my youngest is um, a senior in college and he was asking for job references recently. Yeah. And he's like, mom, this guy wrote me the best recommendation. And then he turned around and said, hey, could you cover a couple of extra days for me? And he's like, how am I going to tell him no now? Like, he did me <laughs> such a great favor. I just want to help him out. And I think it's that concept of when you do something for someone else, when you make them feel seen, when you make them feel valued, they're going to turn around and really want to reward you. Again, somewhat human nature of, 
oh, thank you so much for seeing me and trusting me and hearing me. I think that can be part of a brand when the result you want is elevated performance, elevated expectation, elevated trust, elevated communication. And I think when someone brands themselves as a leader, you're showing us the ultimate place that we can get to if we follow you. Yeah. So, Jamie, we talked a little bit about your brand and your agency's brand. Let's uh, do a couple of fun, quick questions here. What is your favorite brand? As a consumer, what brand can't you live without? Probably Chewy.com because I got a whole bunch of pets. And the (laughs) fact that it shows up in my door and I can just go online and pick out what I need and their quality and consistency and the amount of people that I talk to who goes, oh, we just get it from Chewy, 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 Chewy. So there, there's a little plug for Chewy. (laughs) Yay, Chewy.com. And Jamie, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Probably an old Volkswagen Beetle, like bright yellow flower, like the old hippie kind of thing. Jamie, why would you say that you're like that old uh, uh, Volkswagen? I tend to be a minimalist. I pay attention to detail. I really want things to be done well. Not a perfectionist because a perfectionist is an excuse not to do anything. If it can't be perfect, you're not going to do it at all. So I'm absolutely not a perfectionist, but I do like things to be done exceptionally well. I care about detail. Everything else is just fluff to me. I don't need all of the different trappings. And the Beetle was, you know, an ingenious car in its time. It went out to lots and lots of people. It I mean, so many people posted adventures that they took in these ridiculous little cars. Those cars took lots of adventures without having lots of bells and whistles. They got the job done. And I I think that's why I relate to those cars. Yeah. And Jamie, finally, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Because I have kids still starting out their careers as mom, we have these conversations often of, Whatever you're starting now, it doesn't mean it's the last thing that you'll ever do. So go give it everything you've got and try it. If ultimately it doesn't feel like it's a fit, it is okay to walk away. I think there's this huge, to me, misconception about never quit, don't quit. Whatever you do, you're not a failure unless you quit. I think there's a lot to be said for listening to your intuition and redirecting. If your overarching purpose is fairly fixed, the vehicle that you use to get there can change without any shame or any guilt or any sense of sunk cost. So our life is a journey and an adventure. I hope to be having this adventure until the very last minute that I'm breathing. I don't think it's ever going to end. I don't want to stop working and learning and being curious. So if you can be open to new information be flexible, agile, adaptive. That's what's so important for entrepreneurs. But I I don't believe we have to dig a hole that's so deep that it just feels devastating and depressing. I think it's okay to let go of how we're doing something as long as where we're going and, and who we are as far as our integrity and our values, as long as that stays the same. I don't think it matters the things that you do along the way. And probably the more you do, the more you learn from those misadventures as well as the adventures. 
Mm. Well, Jamie Wolf, thank you so much for sharing your million dollar story. It was great having you on the show. Thank you so much, Susan. I really, really appreciate your time and you're very good at listening. So I do appreciate that. Ah, thank you. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Jamie Wolf, the CEO and president of Million Dollar Story Agency. You know, she has so many great nuggets from her years uh, of coaching authors and entrepreneurs. But you know what really stuck out to me? What stuck out to me was her whole notion of you've got to listen. And whether you are running your own business or you're running your own business within a huge corporation, listening is key and it is key to your brand. Quite simply, we have got to stop talking all of the time. You know what? The real place where we learn and oftentimes the real place that we show our brand is when we shut up and listen, when we listen actively and reflect back what people are saying and then go ahead and serve their needs. Remember, your brand isn't really about you. It's about others and the value that you bring to them. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a compelling brand new show about experts who've led with their brand to their next career breakthrough every single Tuesday. Of course, it is the final day of Women's History Month, but you know what? We are celebrating women's history and women's equality every single day on the Lead With Your Brand podcast, and we've made a commitment to have over 50% of our guests be amazing leaders who just happen to be women. Check out our Women on Brand collection at leadwithyourbrand.com slash women. Follow me on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And remember, in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. You've got to be a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.